All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Grease the Wheels. This is your Uncle Jimmy coming to you from behind the microphone once again, live here at the Rock and Roll Garage. Today's Grease the Wheels podcast subject is going to be about recalls. Recalls as we know them as professional technicians, and mostly recalls that are handled by dealership technicians, refer to safety, okay? Safety of you, your family, and the general automotive public, regardless of how you feel about their safety, they need to be safe, according to the United States government. And actually, more factually, by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and that's uh, referred to as NHTSA. And it's just an acronym that somehow comes out sounding stupid when you say it. NHTSA has very specific jobs, folks. Uh, number one, obviously, is traffic safety. And that's where uh, recalls come in. And over the course of the last, uh, let's do the math real quick here. We got 18 and 30. So it's been 48 years or so since 1970. They, uh, and actually a little earlier than that, they were called something else in the late, mid to late 60s. But since 1970, they've been trying to make automobiles safer for human beings to drive and operate and be in and possibly wreck. And uh, the fact that I'm still alive is a significant proof that they're doing their jobs because I've wrecked a ton of vehicles. And some of them very spectacularly, I might add. So I'd like to thank NHTSA for saving my life. Um, they're the people who are responsible for things such as safety belts, which, believe it or not, did not used to be standard equipment in cars. Uh, I know it's a little hard to wrap your mind around if you're a younger person than I am. I own vehicles that came from the factory with seatbelt delete, or they came sans seatbelt. They didn't have any. Uh, and in many cases, they weren't even an option. And uh, I spent many a many a hour riding in cars where the seatbelt usage was considered optional at best. Uh, it wasn't something that is frowned upon now as it is now back then. Back then, if you wore a seatbelt, you were kind of a nerd, to be quite honest with you. And the funny thing is, is that the laws of physics haven't changed, not from the 19th century through the 20th century and on into the 21st century where we live now. Inertia still does the very same things to your body. And uh, there is uh, other laws of physics that are involved with the safety of your vehicle, friction, and then uh, I'm not exactly sure why suddenly we are all a lot smarter about wanting to wear safety belts. I remember the very day, the exact day that it became a law, at least in the state that I lived in at the time, uh, I remember the very day it became a law that you had to wear your safety belts, that it was against the law not to wear them. That was uh, January 1st, 1983. I was of driving age at the time. And yes, I know that makes me an old guy. What can I tell you? But I remember that uh, probably about 12.05, that, that day, New Year's Day, 12.05 a.m., someone was in a car accident and died because they weren't wearing their seatbelts. And I remember that being illustrated very 
prominently in the newspaper and on TV, and we didn't have such things as the Internet back then. We didn't have the Google and all that other shit that you guys have now. But uh, we still got the message. And so uh, and so we're more well-informed, and uh, we are actually much safer now than we were. Um, we didn't know really how, just how stupid we were. The other thing that, that came along, the other thing that came down the pike, oh, probably late 90s was when airbags came about. No, I would say early 90s. Uh, I remember steering wheels were something that, because uh, I was in auto parts for a long time, steering wheels were uh, something that we used to sell actually quite a bit of in auto parts stores and accessory stores and probably through Summit and Jegs and all those people. But now that we've had airbags for a great many years now, aftermarket steering wheels for cars, is uh, I'm sure that sales have fallen right off a cliff. You don't just take the steering wheel out of your car anymore and put on a really nice one or a better one or a fancier looking one. You just don't do it. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised that somebody hasn't come out with some sort of a version of an aftermarket steering wheel that does have an airbag that is compatible, but it would probably be uh, hideously expensive. And as long as I'm actually on the subject of airbags. One of the things that has involved safety and airbags that has come up in probably the last five years or so is the fact that a company in Japan that was making them made them very poorly. And uh, I don't need to mention any names, but their name is Takata. And actually, I believe, if I read correctly, they had to be propped up by the Japanese government so that they could actually reproduce every single airbag they ever made and then offer it to the manufacturers that bought them from them so that they could replace them in the vehicles that they offered for sale starting in around 1999, 1998. Placed uh, hundreds of airbags, myself personally, in uh, the BMW cars that I work on. And uh, fortunately for all the people whose airbags I changed, they didn't have a situation where they had to find out the hard way why we were changing the damn things. I do remember some of the articles, some of the news stories, about what was actually happening. And apparently what was going on with the Takata airbags was that they were actually in very hot and very humid locations of which there are a lot on this planet. Airbags would degrade and actually explode instead of going off like they're supposed to. It's almost as if uh, you took a shotgun shell and instead of shooting it through a shotgun, you just hit it with a hammer and let the ship fly anywhere it wanted to. Extremely dangerous. Uh, and I don't recommend you do that with a shotgun shell. And I also don't recommend that you set off one of these Takata airbags that has been removed for the recall, okay? Because that's the same sort of situation that you have with that. They go off, and if they've been degraded by either the heat or the humidity or both, then they explode like a bomb and pieces of shrapnel come out and uh, can conceivably kill you in a situation where that device is actually supposed to save your life and actually, in many cases, probably saved your life and then snuffed it out at the same time, which is kind of a catch-22. But I think you understand what I mean is uh, the airbag comes out and saves you from the uh, brutal inertia and the G-forces of a, of, a, of a front end collision or being hit in the front end. And then shrapnel comes out along with the airbag. And instead of saving your life, it, uh, it tears through you like a German 88 round. You know, it just uh, rips you open and kills you. So you definitely want to get those done. I was reading up on uh, airbags, which is actually 
kind of unusual for me because I have uh, ADHD. I don't really like to read stuff because I get lost. I can't concentrate. I can't focus. I can't pay attention to what I'm reading. But I was reading about the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and, and their efforts to uh, get these Takata airbags out of the, uh, the general public's uh, vehicles. They're, they're finding that a very small percentage, and they say they say small, it's about 50% of the people who have these airbags in their car are actually getting them replaced. And so chances are if you were to buy a used car from somebody or if you have a car and you haven't taken it to the dealer like ever, you may still have one of these defective Takata airbags. And and this this is everybody, really. There's no manufacturer that was spared these particular airbags that were faulty. I don't want to say they were defective because in the proper situation, the engineering was correct, but there were certain materials that did not respond well, like I said, to heat and humidity and allowed these uh, igniters propulsion units to behave as hand grenades basically but there was no there was no manufacturer that was spared general motors ford chrysler's everything european everything japanese there was some uh, unusual makes that you might not expect uh, fisker and ferrari mclaren had airbag recalls so it don't feel so left out if, and if you're in a shop now and you do these recalls, I implore you to make sure you do them as correct as you possibly can. The liability is is horrendous, and I'm not even sure I can handle it anymore. I mean, you think about what could happen, and uh, that's one of the shittiest things about being an old guy like me is you start to think about things that could happen instead of just being young, dumb, and full of cum and, and letting things happen and not worrying about what could have happened. There was some Takata airbags that were actually worse than others believe it or not and uh, i'm not sure why they didn't they don't ever specify why they were worse but uh, in reading the information from nitsa found that the airbags that were installed from takata into 2006 model year ford rangers and mazda b trucks were so terrible were so poorly made, the quality was so low that at this particular point, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration recommends very highly that you not drive these vehicles until the recall is done. They're, they were a damn then about it. They have an actual do not drive warning they have issued for those particular vehicles. It, it appears to be just one year, not 2005s, not 2007s, it's 2006 Rangers and Mazda B trucks. I think if you own one of them, you, uh, you're taking your life, <laughs> you're taking your life into your own hands anyway. But uh, and in actuality, if you do own one of these, the dealer will pay to the dealer will reimburse you or pay to have your Ranger or your Mazda B truck towed to the dealer to have the recall done. That's how f- fucking dangerous this particular airbag recall is on that vehicle. Now, as far as I know, that was the only one that was a do not drive. The rest of them were like, yeah, I wouldn't drive it too far in case something happens, especially if you're in uh, a hot and or humid climate or both. You know, if you live near the equator, uh, I, I would imagine that the problem is magnified by the heat that you run into there. So, uh, you know, across Central America and across the uh, northern part of Africa and through the Middle East where they have intense heat, 
if you see a Mazda or a, a Ranger, a Mazda B truck or a Ranger from 2006, you might want to you might want to beat a circle around it. Just uh, don't go near it. It's just a time bomb waiting to go off, according to these people. There are uh, approximately 50 million re- vehicles affected by this particular recall. 50 million. Imagine if you just had a dime from each one of these. It would be like $5 million, you know, at, at 10 cents, okay? I mean, this is, this, you know, trying to draw a scale here, but $50 million? I mean, if you counted a million, if you counted a car every second, you wouldn't get to $50 million until you were like 48 years old or something like that. I haven't done the math, but <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, that's a lot of cars. Let's just put it that way, okay? And as a, a technician, as a mechanic who works at... A dealership, typically you are the ones who are burdened with responsibility of replacing these airbags. And they're typically not too tough. And unfortunately, they don't ever pay very well. But uh, they're not they're not so difficult to do that, you know, whatever pay you get is not worth it. It's definitely worth it for you. Um, what, we get, what we get at the dealership that I am at is we get older vehicles that are just about finished. They're done being driven. They're, they've got, uh, I had one the other day. Uh, close to 200,000 miles on it, and uh, it was barely drivable. But I diligently replaced the airbags, both of them, drivers and the passenger. So in case they, you know, on the way to the junkyard, on the way to the pick and pull to turn the car in and maybe get 50 or 60 bucks for it, in case somebody hits them, the airbag will deploy properly and not kill them. Or at least it won't hurt them that much. <laughs> so you're still going to get hurt. You know, they. I don't care how good an airbag is. I don't care... Uh, how quickly it goes off and how strategically it's placed and, and how much thought and engineering goes into it. An airbag, for that matter, any other safety component on your car cannot overcome the laws of physics. If you drive 100 miles an hour into a brick wall, there is no fucking airbag on earth that is going to save your life. You are going to perish, okay? That's as simple as it is. So it's up to you, obviously, as a motor vehicle operator to try to be as safe as you can. And this is another thing that goes along. I mean, recalls are one thing, okay? And there's a lot of different safety type because recalls are typically for safety. You know, seatbelts that don't latch properly or latch points or the uh, connector points for the uh, child safety seats that that everyone has in their cars. A lot of these uh, points where they're attached to the vehicle are not strong enough or they're not built properly and sometimes they have to be repaired under recall. Uh, There's other things too where the vehicle might do something that would be dangerous, okay? Now, if you have a situation where a vehicle just driving down the road, and and I've seen this, where your vehicle is just driving down the road, all of a sudden shuts off. And there you are in traffic going 75, 80 miles an hour, and all of a sudden your vehicle just stops running. And so it's not moving forward anymore. And it causes a, a very dangerous, dangerous situation. And a lot of times, if this happens numerous times, you'll get a safety recall for something along those lines. Now, some of the manufacturers that build cars out there, are uh, there's, there's only really two ways to be. Uh, when I talk about manufacturers, one is retroactive and the other one is proactive. Fortunately for us, one of the things about manufacturers is uh, at least most of the manufacturers on this planet who manufacture uh, automobiles, they tend to be proactive about the recalls and the safety issues that 
are happening with their vehicles. Uh, in some cases, there may be a, a situation where the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has to come in and say, listen, um, we're going to need to have a recall here because this thing's not working the way it's supposed to. And it's a safety issue. You know, um, you'll find it with brakes. You'll find it with uh, components that relate to the engine and its performance or rather it's a uh, sudden lack of performance. Also with lights and mirrors and other assorted equipment that makes it easier and or safer to drive. Sometimes you'll see a, a recall on tires. A lot of us are familiar with a recall that occurred on tires back in the very late 90s, early 2000s with Bridgestone tires. There's still a lot of uh, doubt and dispute over what exactly uh, occurred there. Um, the other thing too uh, that I wanted to point out to you is that the government is looking out for you and you may or may not enjoy it. I typically don't really enjoy it. All vehicles now are subject to uh, what we call FMVSS, which is Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. And early on in the 70s, these were, by today's standards, pretty rudimentary. You know, you had to have seatbelts, okay. You had to have, uh, you know, four-way flashers, just dumb shit like that. And they have evolved over the years into airbags and other systems that are supposed to keep us safe. And these were all pretty much shepherded in to manufacturers and, and uh, automobile vendors by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. They also, uh, this, the NHTSA is also in charge of uh, certain anti-theft regulations that vehicle manufacturers need to follow. And also uh, fuel economy averages uh, that we know as CAFE, corporate automotive fuel, efficient, fuel efficiency numbers that are, are ridiculously set by people who don't have any idea what the fuck they're talking about, but they're out there. I think that right now we're supposed to have vehicles that get 50 miles to the gallon and uh, some get close. I got to agree, they get close, but they're also very tiny. Uh, they have two and three cylinder engines it's just it's not an it's not a very american thing okay you can have a a four-cylinder car in europe and it's just fine for europe you know i mean they have roads built by romans and bridges that are so narrow that you can't cross if there's a bike on it but here in the united states we have great distances between where we are and where we want to be and we also haul a lot of shit so we have to have trucks pickup trucks, SUVs, because we have kids. We have a lot of kids in some cases. We pick up other people's kids. So there's a lot of that shit going on. Some of these corporate fuel economy averages are not sensible. I mean, if you live in uh, you live in Montana and you want to drive from one end of it to the other, you got to pack a lunch because it's going to take you all day and then some. And if you're going to do that in a little three-cylinder car, I hope that whatever it is you want to bring back from the other side of the state isn't too goddamn big. I think it's tough for people who do live in cities to imagine how far you have to drive in some portions of this country just to get from the middle of nowhere to the fucking edge of nowhere. And so you drive certain vehicles and you have certain size gas tanks and you know the fuel economy is a great thing, but it's not the thing, not what you, drives you to buy a car. It's a lot easier to get somewhere with a bigger vehicle so you can haul a lot more stuff or you, you, know, you just have a lot of things, okay? And you wanna take them with you. Maybe you haul things for a living, who knows what you're doing with that. But these corporate fuel economy averages, I, they're put forth by people who drive Cadillacs, you know, and, and ride around in limousines and shit. And they have no idea the amount of energy necessary to move 
a Cadillac or a limousine. And, and so, you know, they're blissfully ensconced in the back. The taxpayers are paying the bill. And then they spout this shit that, oh, well, all the other Americans on the fucking, on this, in this country, I was going to say on this fucking planet, but it doesn't play well. That doesn't. All the other Americans in this country need to have cars that get 50 miles to the gallon at the very least. And we're supposed to have electric cars. And listen, here's something about electric cars, okay? We have a couple of them here at BMW where I work. And uh, they can go about 77 miles on a full charge. Okay? Great. If you live five miles from work or 10 miles from work, that's great. It's awesome. You drive to work, boom, you got 67 miles. But let's say you want to go from Austin to Dallas, and that's like 150, almost 200 miles. Well, guess what? You're going to get about halfway, and your car is going to run out of juice, and you're going to be, I don't know, on the side of the road maybe, or you're going to be somewhere where they have a charging station, and you're going to have to fucking wait for your car to charge up. And that's just so you can get there. Okay, once you get there, you'll have to charge the fucking thing back up again, turn around, and drive back. And then you'll have to stop in the middle of your journey to charge your car up one more fucking time. Electric cars are not quite the answer just yet. They have them now where, you know, they most of them are hybrids. And when you're speaking about a hybrid, you're talking about two different types of propulsion. And uh, a lot of these cars have an electric motor and a gas engine. And the gas engine does actually the lion's share of the driving certain certain situations with the gas engine on it charges the battery so you don't have to really worry too much about having to stop and charge up although that's still the best way to charge your vehicle it's also kind of ridiculous to have an electric uh, motor in your car to drive it and then have a gas engine to drive it and then have to get gas to drive it electrically. Kind of a, a no-win situation. It just makes a vehicle more expensive and harder to fix. And uh, I'm sure that there are some advancements that are in the works that will allow to be more, uh, how do I want to say, more feasible for more Americans. But for right now, unless you live in the inner city and you never drive anywhere other than to work and to the grocery store, it's not really a good choice, okay? And uh, some of the other things that uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration does besides monitoring theft protection of vehicles and fuel economy is they also designate the uh, VIN number coding. They're in charge of uh, how a VIN number gets set up for a vehicle. Uh, most of the time, if you see a VIN number, begins with the number one, that's the United States, goddamn right. And it begins with a J, it's Japanese. And usually if it begins with a W, it's German. Uh, and they came up with that. So, you know, kudos to them for that. I don't think a lot of people know that. Uh, they're also responsible, uh, along with the uh, crash test people, of setting up insurance cost info. Uh, and you'll see that on a Moroni label. And if you're not familiar with what a Moroni label is, it's the label on a car that tells you how much it is and what options it has and where the engine was built and where it was assembled and how it got there. And there's typically a lot of other information on there that's kind of coded into it. So now, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about when it comes to vehicle safety is that it's it's important, okay? Now, and we might laugh at some of the things that they come up with. I myself think that backup cameras are a waste of time. I mean, really, all you have to do is turn your fucking head and look out the back goddamn window. I think that, you know, probably over the course of a year, okay, a backup camera will save you from running over a toddler or anybody else in this country maybe twice or three times, okay? So in that particular regard, to keep you from running over a pet 
or a baby or other children or maybe something more dangerous, uh, a, a backup camera could be a good thing. But it says right on there not to back up using just the backup camera. Well, okay, so what, what the fuck am I supposed to do? You know, I've got mirrors. I got three of those now because all cars have them on the passenger side now. Believe it or not, they didn't used to. Um, you have the one on the windshield. You have the one out the driver's window. And then you have your head, which is where your eyeballs live. And if you turn your fucking head 45, maybe almost 90 degrees, you can see what's behind you. What they have done it really pretty much is just installed a redundant system. And then they put this little warning on there. Don't back up just using the camera. Well, okay, fuck that. You know, and according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, all motor vehicles sold in the United States have to have it. Okay, I'm not a fan. I'm also not a fan of third brake lights. Believe me, I remember a day when we didn't have third brake lights, and then they put a few of them in some cars to see if they got into wrecks any less often. And I don't know, they. I think they fudged those numbers because people hit shit, regardless of how many fucking brake lights you have on the back. Then they went and said, hey, guess what? You know, we got lower accident numbers because of a third brake light, and now all cars have third brake lights. And in the beginning, adding on that third brake light was kind of a, you know, just a slap a, a brake light in the back window and call it done, and it was... It was awkward and it looked horrible and it got in the way of when you actually did turn your fucking head 90 degrees to look out the back window, you couldn't see around the third brake light. Now, of course, it's much more incorporated into the rear design of the vehicle and it's it's widely accepted. Just like everything else in the course of the human condition, we're conditioned to ignore the third brake light and still have rear end collisions. Okay, I don't think it solved any fucking problems whatsoever so there's that i mean uh you know being an old guy uh, i'd prefer to eschew technology i prefer to ditch some of this fancy schmancy shit in favor of teaching people how to really actually drive correctly my theory is that nobody knows how to drive because nobody ever ever learned how to drive correctly nobody you learned from your father who learned from his father who learned from his father who was a blacksmith and never owned a fucking car okay so that's the problem you're learning how to drive from a moron who doesn't know how to drive okay and he learned from a moron who didn't know how to drive and i drive a bmw so i'm one of those people who doesn't use the turn signal so that makes me an asshole you know i mean i have a lever on the left side of the steering column i'm not exactly sure what it does i have one on the right the one on the right runs the wipers so because I got to be able to see where I'm going when I'm out driving around being an asshole. I'm definitely for some safety items. I'm not a fan of the backup camera. I'm not a fan of the video screen in the car. I remember the first time I saw one, the first car that actually had one was the uh, BMW 7 Series from 2002 and up. I am not ever, ever, ever going to be a fan of anything that makes you not look at the fucking road. I don't care if it's nav. I don't care if it's just a screen that tells you what radio station it is or if it's just a picture of an album cover that you've seen a million fucking times or maybe it's just your phone popping up on the screen saying, hey, who do you want to call or this is who's calling. It's like, look, I got to pay attention to what I'm doing. And I think that, uh, and I'll end this podcast with this crap, um, it's not going to be very popular, but an idea that I have that will make all cars a lot safer is a device that goes in where the OBD2 port is, okay? 
and maybe it, you know if you're a manufacturer you would hardwire it in obviously on the other side of the obd2 port from the side that we use to diagnose the cars but what you would do is you would wire this device into the can bus that it uses for diagnosis and believe me i know the can bus provides a multitude of information such as vehicle speed temperature engine temperature radiator temperature transmission temperature it is just a million things available on that can bus can bus being a a two-wire digital communication circuit they call it a bus i don't know i I don't know why i didn't make it up but a can bus is in every obt2 port and you could wire in a device that blocks cell phones but only when you're moving if it sees vehicle speed boom no cell service and people are like well what if i gotta call somebody well you're gonna have to come to a complete fucking stop before you can actually call somebody once you come to a complete stop the cell phone blocker shuts off You have cell phone reception. You can use your cell phone. As soon as you start moving again, that's it. No more cell phone. And people are like, what if I get into an emergency? Well, if you're in an emergency and you're still moving down the road, drive to the fucking police station. If you don't want to stop, if you got to keep going for some reason or another, drive to the police station. Drive to a police station. I think that you could actually block a cell phone signal and still have 911 service. I'm not sure about that. I'd have to check on it, but I'm pretty sure you can. Well, what they will do is that will end the whole driving down the road, talking on the fucking phone, which annoys the shit out of me, especially where I live now, because people pull up to a stoplight, you know, they're the third car in line, and there's 70 or 80 fucking cars behind this guy, and the light turns green, but he doesn't notice because he's texting somebody or he's calling somebody, and then when he sees it's green, he goes after about five maybe ten seconds and by the time he gets to the light because there's plenty of space in front of him by now the light has changed to yellow and then to red and so a light that's designed to let you know maybe 15 or 20 cars through has only let five cars through because you're an inconsiderate fuck and you were texting somebody and not paying attention to the fucking light Okay, now there really isn't any fix for that because if you're sitting still, his cell phone's going to work. I don't know, I'll have to brainstorm and come up with some other idea that can fix that. But anyway, that's it for me. Uh, Recalls is typically safety stuff, stuff to be taken seriously. If you have a car, I highly recommend that you go to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration website and plug in your 17-digit VIN number and find out if you have any recalls. I think you would be surprised because I saw some cars on there that had many, three, four, and five in some cases. Different, you know, like two airbags that need to be replaced and a, a seatbelt tensioner that was defective and need to be replaced and maybe a, a fuse that was not big enough to run fuel management system and so it blows and, and the vehicle stops running in the middle of the highway or wherever you are that's that could be a safety thing so go in and check on your vins check on your wife's car's vin your your friends your family your relatives uh typically safety recalls are performed free of charge so definitely get them fixed help keep these people safe and uh, let's get uh let's let's all try to figure out how to drive a little better i think that's the one of the that's a better recipe for safety on the road okay that's enough of me tonight this is your uncle jimmy signing off i just want to say real quick hit us up on the social media stuff boys and girls i want to hear your comments i want to know uh, if you actually need some recalls done to your car if you do make sure you get a hold of the dealer if you drive one of these cars that doesn't have 
have a dealer anymore, such as an Oldsmobile or a Pontiac or a Saturn, hit hit a GM dealer. They will take care of those for you. Okay? That's just a little advice from your Uncle Jimmy. I'm going to sign off now. See ya.